Chapter 2 of The Trail Bride Stop and look around. They would camp at a spot for the grave. Hmm, let's try that one more time. <laughs> they would camp at the spot of the grave for the night. There was almost a communal relief that there was a funeral to excuse an earlier night's rest. As much as many longed to do so, it was still early in the journey, too early to stop and rest for superfluous reasons. Death was a step above superfluous. His was, at least. Only barely. Everyone was too exhausted to figure out what to do with a woman and a wagon that had no man. Ray could drive a wagon. It was possible. She was doing it when her husband rode. Still, everyone regarded her skeptically. Which was unfair. If he'd been driving the wagon instead of prancing around on a prized, crazed stallion, maybe he'd still be alive. I will drive the team, Ray insisted to the guide, and the few men who expressed concern for her care. For the time being, the, horses can, the horse can be tied behind the wagon. Until it could be sold to someone who could master it. Or for a tide. Ray did not feel strongly one way or another toward the thing. She went back to the grave only one more time before dawn. Quietly, privately, she swept her hands through the dirt at his feet, gathering in her fist. She filled a little cloth bag with the earth at his gravesite. For if it all, all went well in their journey, she would never see it again. She was resistant for the demand for a keeper for her. Finn checked on her occasionally, which was kind, Poe even offering some advice about pace and how to care for the animals. But she could do this alone, for now. She figured she had a few days to think things through, and that's all she did as she drove. Figured. She felt it in every muscle when they stopped to rest, the exertion, but she could take it. Thankfully, the rougher terrain meant that she would have to hop down and lead the team on foot, guiding the two, the two oxen at the head, but from the jostling in the wagon, she felt si slightly seasick. As much as she wanted to jump down and stretch her legs, she instead sagged into the seat for a few minutes of silence and stillness. The man in the dark hat passed her wagon in this, in his early, with his early on in the day, but she recognized him up ahead. Tall, so his knees bent angularly on the box seat. He traveled alone as well, without so many questions, because he was a man. Hux was the only other party alone in one wagon, as though waiting to sweep in if there was an odd woman out, vulnerable. There was a wagon of an entire set of bachelors, a shared one, so it was difficult to parse out who would offer up a spot. Ray was careful. She did not, she never did anything without being careful. As a wife, she was allowed to be careful, because she wasn't allowed to do anything. He did enough foolish things for the both of them. She, meanwhile, could be as careful as she liked, selecting the next color for the border of her cross-stitch an hour after thinking it over. How it would look against the calico of their bedspread. How a red might make the blue dress she wore on Sundays look crisper, if he had a mind to take notice. She had to think about these things extra hard. What else could fill the days? Anything else than all of her attention would leave her numb. It was never about blue or green thread being pretty. 
She could think for hours on those things and do what was the most reasonable. And he would come home one Friday afternoon with whiskey on his breath and his dazzling smile and tell her that there was gold in California and they would leave in two weeks. He was not here anymore to be a fool. He was not here, on a horse too wild to ride and too expensive to buy, to make these choices. She can now make them however she so pleased. So she counted wagons. Seven bachelors. One of those seven had seven motherless children, the youngest only a few months old, which ruled him out. Another was sixty. Hux was a preacher, and she found that he acted first and reasoned later, which was why she was so keen to refuse him beyond just temperament. Poe had only a horse with him as their guide. He camped like a frontiersman with just a pack of his possessions. He was not to be taking on an extra dependent. Two single men shared a wagon and planned on sharing a claim once they reached the West. She felt unwelcome in their arrangement. And the man in the dark hat the one she knew nothing about. As they rested a brutal noon sun overhead, she watched him stretch out in his seat, leg propped up. The sun glinted off his black hair like crow's feathers. There was a rustling of motion at his elbow. Those seven children, well, the six that could walk, had caused nothing but fuss since the start of the journey, and they were starting to throw rocks. Ray sat up. Annoyance was not her concern. This could spook auction and cause a stampede. Ray watched with her heart in her throat and a ready instinct to holler at them, but the man brought his foot, foot boot down hard on the runner of the box seat, so loud even Ray heard it from her spot behind him, and they all jumped. He bent low from his mount, talking quiet-like to the guilty-looking children, his arm propped up on his knee. And she could feel that his tone was as dangerous as the rattlesnake hiss, for those children dropped their stones and scattered. What a threat he must have made to them. She felt as though the tension was lifted from her body and sagged back into the seat herself. Her face tilted up to the sun, and she closed her eyes, letting it warm her cheeks from under her bonnet. The stallion was huffing behind the wagon. Cranky, and it, it, cranky, it was cooped up, keeping pace be, up behind the team instead of running through the prairie with a matching hot-headed fool of a rider on his back she whipped around mean as a viper herself you'll stay back there until i have a use for you she snapped at the beast which snorted in response tossing his head driving with this thing was like a holding a lit fuse she would have to trade it into at the next town mrs nema one of the seven Hellions was at her elbow, a freckled face pointing up. A, the rest stood behind. A panful of spindly purple throat wart nearly punched her into the gut, thrusted at her by a sticky hand. She fell back slightly in her seat, surprised. The flower state extended. We're supposed to pick these for you. We're sorry about your husband. She took them with soft hands. Thank you, she murmured. The children did not disperse. With an uncomfortable look, she did not know what they wanted from her. A tip? For her to cry? She settled the scrappy bouquet under her nose and sniffed politely. 
Pretty, she said, like a mother pretending to eat a meal made entirely through mine by a toddler playing house. The children scattered quick, satisfied. She felt funny for a moment. Black Hat was watching her. When they locked eyes, he whipped back around in his seat. She swung herself down from the wagon, checking the lead oxen was secure enough. And when, then, and she made her circle through camp, flowers in hand. There was still a clumsy weave to her legs, shaky from absorbing the shocks and jolts of the wagon on rough terrain, but it was better to work it out of her system now than when they started up again. The flowers helped hide what she was really doing. It made the walk seem like a contemplative promenade, not shrewdly scouting, which is what it was. Her feet went still when Finn cast her a sad look, watering down his team. She hadn't left flowers on her, fr- on her husband's grave. They were outside of Laramie, but that didn't mean much. She didn't know where she was. There was a soft, frustrated sound that came out of her. She didn't know how to act. She didn't know how to feel. She had no idea where she was. Careful planning. She just needed to plan carefully. She swallowed down the fear and swept away her, her across the wagons. Sixty-year-old was a gold rusher, like her husband, but missing teeth and too set in his ways for a bride now. It would be nothing but suffering. Still, she considered it for longer than she had to, and felt embarrassed with herself by that. Hux might not be bad, but he unsettled her, and as practical as she was, she had a sense in her gut that she never ignored. The two bachelors sharing one wagon drank plenty and drank often. Ray did not need to marry into that again. She walked her way to Finn's wagon, smiling at Rose, who did not know how to fill Ray's silence, but was kind to her anyway. She propped her crossed arms on the box seat until Finn lifted his head from underneath the hitch. He was adjusting to see who approached. Ray! He smiled again, sadly. And Ray bit her tongue at the pity in his eyes. She turned her face away toward the sun, let it bleach the image of the trail out of her skull. Hux made me an offer. Finn's face twisted up. What did you say? She sighed. <sighs> that I'd think about it? Her tone, intimate, is that too awful? Made him look sympathetic but queasy. I think you can do better on your own, Rose said with finality. Who's the other one traveling alone? She leaned closer to Finn, ignoring his wife from her spot inside the wagon, attempting to make lunch for them. It was rude, but Ray had little care for her own manners at the moment. Solo? Finn's face shifted uneasily. He seems upright enough to me. He's still a virtual stranger, Ray. What's his first name? Finn sighed, exasperated. His name is Ben. He has more oxen than hawks, she mused aloud. She had counted that twice and carefully on the walk over. Rose laughed awkwardly. <laughs> Ray, you can't be serious, seriously considering a man's oxen shaping the rest of your life. And solo. Ray poised quietly on her tongue, clicking her teeth. Finn gave her a brotherly, annoyed look. She kept her pondering face mysteriously neutral. 
My team's not what it should be. But you two are looking a little short yourselves. You want two more? I'll take one set of oxen for my dowry trade to the rest. I'll cut you a better deal first. Finn finally laughed and she cracked a dry smile, even though Rose was staring horrified down at them. You need to find a place to give your dowry first, Ray, and then I'll see what I can offer for that extra set for the team. Mrs. Nima? She turned abruptly. A black hat tilted in her face, a head bowed in greeting. But when it lifted, the face underneath was somber, more distinct than she had pictured, though it being hidden from her so much made her half-imagined it was just a shadow. His features were defined, where her mind knew she, he must have a nose and mouth, and yet an eye somewhat poss- impossibly with how low he wore his hat. But he had sharp features, contrasting pale skin with his black hair and dark marks. He didn't give room for more introduction. That stallion looks mad enough to spit. Do you have a lead for it? Ray nodded, stupefied. It's in the wagon. I don't want it dragging me to kingdom come. It will hold steady until we reach Independence Rock. Solo shook his head. It'll do far more damage than that if it doesn't get exercised. Rose and Finn watched him with their mouths gaping open like river trout. If you lend me the light lunge, lunge line, I'll give it a good run before we get going. The thing is a demon, Ray leveled at him, her eyebrows raised. Solo looked unintimidated. It's a fine beast. I can handle it. Her she finally took a deep breath. Men are made of more dumb by a horse are made more dumb by horse's beauty than a woman's, she quipped to Finn, and crooked her finger for Solo to follow her. You stay off its back. It bucks. Not if you know how to ride it, he replied firmly, her fists clenched. She didn't need everyone knowing what a bad rider her husband was. She climbed into her wagon as she stood outside, stroking the horse's neck. It was ornery, tossing its head, dodging the gentle hand, but it clearly hated Ray much more when it, she was crouched from the wagon bed up with, to the clip lead. Just a few circles, she instructed Solo. Do not defy my instructions. It is still my property, even if my husband cannot enforce that. Solo just bowed his head and led the horse off. It was a slow pace. The animal did not like being guided, but by the time she was settled back in her box seat to have a good think, it was running in circles at the length of the lunge line around the solo through the open prairie grass. If it wasn't so awful, she might have seen it as beautiful as her fool husband did. She only let the image take her attention for a moment before she propped up her feet and focused on thinking. Thanks. See you again later for chapter three.